Hey, Megan, we're here again. And this time we're talking about friends. How are you doing today? I know (laughs) it'll be really interesting. Um, So originally I I wanted to name this friends. How many of us have them, which is a famous song, I think from the eighties, it's like a rap song. And I actually (laughs) went on to YouTube to look it up because I know the lyrics or the frame, I guess, or the, I don't know what it's called, but um and all of the comments that were uh, under that was like this song still resonates like the lyrics are all about the fr- you know friends like all the things that happen between friends and um, all the emotional aspects of it as well and so I'm I'm interested in this topic we've well, we just talked about it a lot we have and we are also friends and so we mm-hmm. yeah we've definitely covered this a lot but it is interesting just right off the bat you talking about that song like how you know even in a different time period i mean 40 years ago at this point which is wild to think about but even 40 years ago and you know somebody who's probably a, a different type of person than us you know runs in different social circles is still can write a song that's like it's going to stand the test of time and we're, we all have the same sort of experience just with different details. And it's very interesting to think about. Yeah. And so kind of preparing for this episode, you know, I, I have a history <laughs> with <laughs> friends and not keeping them basically. And so I thought, you know, what do I really want to share? And as with our previous episodes that we've recorded and, and released, it is a lot about how I have participated in certain aspects of my life and a re- really a reflection of, you know, either relationships um, or how I, my beliefs or, you know, how I, uh, I guess uh, my emotions get the best of me and how I react in, in behaviors uh, associated with those emotions. But this, I wanted to go through a little bit of our history with friends, kind of how we perceive ourselves and I mean, I definitely have some um, examples. And then I wanted to talk about why, why have I, uh, you know, I've changed, I've improved myself to where I actually have friends that I have very meaningful relationships with. And so I definitely want to hear from you on both the history and um, what you, how you've progressed yourself and then talk about learning lessons. That sounds good. Mm -hmm. Cool. So I'll start with the history and I've already explained this to you, but (laughs) my first memory of like being on the outs with a friend group was in fifth grade. And, uh, one, I think there were probably five of us and, uh, one of them was on the outs. Like she wasn't allowed, you know, we weren't talking to her. And I remember at recess on the playground, we were huddling and talking. And one of the friends said, I think she should be back in the group. And I was, I just took that information and I'm like, absolutely. And I ran to her and I said, you're back in the group. So cute. It was super cute. Right. Looking back Mm -hmm. on it. But then the next week I was on the outs Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I no longer (laughs) had the friend group and I was alone. And I think, you know, fifth grade was you know, the school year after my brother had passed away. So this was a very like impressionable and emotional time for me. And I think that's honestly the reason I remember it so well. Of course. Um, Because it was so impactful. And I think that it 
really did affect how I viewed um, safety, Mm -hmm. right, within my friend group. And, um, and then also I attribute just what was happening at home also with uh, not being able to really deeply connect with people because I had felt so abandoned and Mm -hmm. um, not cared for in a way that I think would have helped me with with friend issues, right? No, yeah. Which I consider like normal friend issues to me were really big. Um, and that happened, happened throughout my life until about two and a half or three years ago. Right. Do you have any specific memories or anything like that? Um, I mean, I remember, and, kind of, and I kind of talked about this in the loneliness episode where I just had this vague sort of feeling of, um, you know, kind of being on the outside of a lot of friendships because, um, I just, you know, felt like I didn't really fit in, but I didn't, um, I don't have a similar situation. Like you just explained where I feel like I was really kicked out of a friend circle, um, because of, because of the friends, funnily enough, the experience that I do have with that was when I left one of my gymnastics gyms and went to a different gym in town. And the coaches at the old gym forbade all of the, those gymnasts from talking with me again. Um, and I mean, I was like in class with some of them at school. So like that that was just not possible for us to not talk in, but it was really interesting. And actually I remember this in fifth grade too. That's, that's really funny. I remember this happening in fifth grade and, um, one of the girls came up to me in class and she was like, I am not allowed to be friends with you. And I was like, well, are you going to still talk with me? And she was like, yeah. And, and I remember at that time feeling, I I like, you know, I feel like I had aged so much in that year because it was such a big, it was such a big deal switching gyms and it shouldn't have been, but it was. And I was dealing with adults who were acting in a very immature way. And so I feel like I aged a lot during that time period. Uh, and so I remember looking at these peers that I had and being like, wow, what are my peers going to do in this situation kind of thing? Um, and so that was really strange to go through. Uh, and then just throughout high school, um, you know, I, it's, I feel like a lot of people go through this where they have little friend groups and then they just kind of fade in and out and you kind of find who's a good influence on you or not. And, and then after college is when I actually started to have more, um, I noticed more what my patterns were with how I handled friendships and my boundaries and, um, it, whether or not I was actually a good friend. Cause when you're young, you know, when you're a kid, it's hard to tell. And then when you get older and you self-reflect, you're like, Oh wait, maybe I'm actually not a very good friend right now. So, um, I would say that after college is actually when I started to have more noticeable friendship situations. But when I was young, I do remember adults influencing my friendships and that being, re- I knew even at a young age that that was really weird. Have you ever seen the karate kid? <laughs> I actually or, or Cobra haven't. Kai. I actually haven't. And this is a whole thing. I'm really bad about seeing classic movies. So there's going to be a lot of movies that you're going to ask if I've seen. And my answer is probably going to be no. And it's like, I I need to get on that. And I need to watch all of them. Cobra Kai is an offshoot, like a, like a, um, of Karate Kid. 
and there's two dojos and they, of course, the kids who are in each of the dojos refuse to be friends. So it just reminded me. Yeah. They were en- sworn enemies because of the competition and, and really I mean, values. Of yeah. But that's too bad. I mean, yes, adults definitely play a role in especially kids relationships Mm -hmm. with their friends and stuff like that. And yeah, some, a couple of things that connected with me. So I was not like you were, (laughs) I was able to uh, see my participation in these friendships until much, much later in life. But I did want to say that you know, one of the things that I've, when I reflect back and I find odd, and there must be a theme here, um, because from that point of that larger group, I never had another large group of friends other than like on a team, but outside of that team atmosphere or plane, or even that season, I still didn't have group friends. It was very single, like a singular friend. And looking back, I think, gosh, what incredible pressure to only for me too, but also for that other person. And the connections were always very tight and until they weren't. And, um, and I always felt after a friendship ended, which they almost all did, um, it, that loneliness and, and looking at me, like I, there's something wrong with me while at the same time, you know, listing the ways that they were wrong for me. Um, and so the reflection of, of that never went beyond it as far as what is really happening with my friendships and what role am I playing in this? I mean, that literally did not happen until I was 48 or 47. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that was just one thing that I find interesting just about my own experience is the pool to only have, a, you know, that one best friend. Um, at the same time, looking with some jealousy and envy at groups of women who could be, yeah. uh, have a, a large friend group. It just looked so much fun. And I didn't understand why I could not fit within that or find that group for myself, right? Yeah, um, I remember feeling the same. I I mean, I still feel the same in a lot of ways because I do feel like it's difficult for me to um, keep solid friend groups. And I feel much more comfortable now than I ever have. But I have always felt really insecure with my friends and or my friendships, I should say. And um, so it's I have always looked at people who just like seem to easily have like solid friend groups. And I'm just like, how do you do it? Yeah, I and what always, even though I had this jealousy or envy about that, it always did scare me at the same time. You know, it did really, I I feel like, you know, um, looking back on friend groups that I looked at from afar to me, and this might not have been the reality at all, but, but coming from where I came from and having my life experiences, how I looked at them was there's a lot of drama and yeah. I am not about drama. Yeah. And so the one friend, like, you know, that that's like how I'm going to live this life is having that one friend. But the problem being that it was one friend after another friend after, you yeah. know, it was like this yeah. repetitive cycle that I was living in and truly not um, understanding why, where the failure 
was coming. I mean, I blamed the failure on certain things, but the reality, mm-hmm. like the truth um, is that that failure was, I had a huge uh, contribution to that failure. Mm-hmm. And so those were, that's kind of, I want to get into the next kind of phase of um, how, how do we change how we make friends or how we identify who we want to be friends with then, because mm-hmm. I have had actually had to do that. Right. And it really started with um, like looking a hundred percent in the mirror because yeah. I, I recounted all of those single friends that I have had over the years, some of them super meaningful friendships, but just couldn't last the test of time. Right. Mm-hmm. Or last me. And the common denominator was me, (laughs) you know, like in every one of those relationships, I was the one that was in them, you know? And so if I just realized like this was early, early 2020, that if I wanted to change, I really had to re-examine my role and the ultimate, you know, what ultimately came from that was a realization that fuck, yeah, it's me, (laughs) Like I really need to examine why, why interactions affected me. So how much did I actually share with these people? Was I vulnerable? Mm -hmm. Um, And the answer is no, like intimacy Mm -hmm. really scared me. And you can have intimacy with your friends. That's not like a a partnership, like a romantic intimacy. Right. What I'm talking about. It's just having that loving relationship with your friend group. Yeah. 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 So I think if I'm curious for you, once you got out of college and you were able to reflect upon it, what, what kind of things came, came up for you? Well, I, and I could be wrong. This is something that I've been trying to examine to see if it is something that I have a, a different perception of myself, you know, than I believe that I do, but, um, I've never really had an issue with being vulnerable or intimate with people. I think that anybody who knows me well would say that I probably share too much information and I'm too open. Uh, So that's hasn't really been something, I mean, from a super young age, I've always just been really comfortable with just sharing all of my thoughts and desires, but I, I've always been really quick to write people off. If somebody, if a friend is, like indicating that there is some issue with our friendship. I'm like, well, I mean, obviously you don't want to be friends with me then. And we don't ever have to talk anymore. Like I am really quick and I know where that comes from, like with my family dynamics growing up in my childhood, um, not being able to handle that confrontation at all. And immediately thinking that if there is any issue that you are the absolute worst, you as in me, you know, I am the absolute worst and I just need to remove myself completely from the situation and not deal with it at all. So I know that that's definitely been a barrier with me keeping friendships. And so being, and that leads to, you know, being so afraid of there being any issues that I don't, um, maybe I don't speak up if I'm feeling like there's some, you know, to keep it general, I guess some vibe is off. I might not, bring that up when I could have just brought it up and maybe that would have solved everything. But instead I kind of wait for the other person to say that they're dissatisfied with something. And then I'm like, okay, well, we're obviously never going to be friends and we're never going to talk again. And I've always been really comfortable with that. So I know that I know for sure that that's part of it, but I do wonder if, you know, I view myself as somebody 
who's really comfortable with um, being vulnerable and open, but that's not actually the reality. I'm not actually doing that in a way that's like a healthy type of vulnerability for a friendship. So that's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. I have no answer yet, uh, but it's something I've been thinking about. Um, but yeah, with my, um, my friendships as an adult, um, and I'm in a different place now, I would say with it, I, I think that the friendships that I have are much just like healthier and I want to say normal, like it just feels easy. The friendships that I do have where I'm, you know, regularly interacting with people, I feel like it's just easy. And before sometimes it would feel easy, but when I reflect back, it wasn't. And there were a lot of friendships that were based on initial, like either gossip or um, like an initial bond in a negative way. And then that fueled the friendship, not just me and one other person, but like a, like a group of us. Mm -hmm. And then realizing like, I, I know that there's one group of friends in particular and it, but this has happened multiple times for me, but there's one in particular that always really stands out. And when I was like in my early to mid twenties and I, we bonded over, um, you know, disliking, a you know, a couple people and, and I'm super not proud of that, by the way, <laughs> like at all. I'm not, I'm not saying thank like, you oh, for that sharing that idea. Yeah. And I think that a lot of us go through that. I think we all can, um, pinpoint at least one friendship where that has happened. And, um, so we bonded over that. And then once that wasn't really the fuel anymore, because that it wasn't relevant, I wanted to have normal conversations that had nothing to do with, you know, anything in the realm of what we initially bonded over. I wanted to like know about how their jobs were going and how work was and how like their kids were doing and all this. And I felt like every time I tried to um, have those sorts of normal conversations, I was either met with like people ignoring me or really short answers and nobody was really seeming to be interested. And again, it's really easy for me to point at other people in that group and say that they were the ones who you know, we're doing something wrong in the friendship or they weren't interested. But I now looking back on it have realized that a that friendship, that group friendship probably just wasn't healthy to begin with. And it wasn't as we didn't have as strong of a bond as I thought that we did just because we talked a lot didn't mean that we were actually bonded in a healthy way. But B, what was I doing to cause people to either not want to be open with me in the way that I wanted or have the conversations I thought that we should be having or make sometimes friendships just simply don't work out. Like sometimes people just aren't really meant to be friends. And that's something that I've had to be okay, learn how to be okay with. And it's still really hard for me. But anyways, looking back, it's easy for me to point at the others and say that they were doing something wrong, but I'm, you know, working on self-reflecting and thinking, what did I do that could have been done differently in those friendships to not let it get to that point in the first place? Yeah. I think you said many important things, but two things is that sometimes friendships aren't meant to be, and that's okay. And even though it's a little bit, it's a heartbreak, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, um, it's a, it can be looked or feel like a failure, mm -hmm. uh, but we are human and we do go through, you know, different changes within our lives. And we find out or realize that something isn't working. We make those changes and friendships are part, part of that process. They, they go through that same process. Um, and then the other thing that you talked about is, is the reflection part, right? 
and trying to identify ways that um, that we participate in these friendships that maybe aren't fair to the other people. Right. And so yeah. I just, I wanted to talk about a couple of mine just because of through my experience, I know, and to be, to be honest, I've never gone back to past friends and asked if this was the case, but I just think about, there, yeah. I just think about the relationships that I have now mm-hmm. and that I have made active changes to no longer do the things that I didn't, that I did in the yeah. past. And so I just kind of feel like I bet if I were my whole self in those relationships from the past, things maybe could have been different. Right. And, and obviously there's two people, but it, but I have to always look at, well, what can I control and how do I interact with this person? You know? And so one of the things, one of the things is is that I, I mean, absolutely not vulnerable um, to share a secret or what would be considered, you know, what you confide in friends about Mm -hmm. relationships or, you know, things that happen or in your past, um, I I would just clamp up. And, and it's mostly because I just didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe that I would be cared for. And Mm -hmm. the problem with that is that when you're not vulnerable and authentic, you don't know if they're ever, if they're going to care for you mm-hmm. and, but you have to give people a chance. And I'm not saying every person deserves that, but there are definitely people in my past that would have, I think now looking back would have done a marvelous job of loving me and caring for me if they had been given the chance to do that, you know? And so I think that reflection is, like what does intimacy mean to you and how vulnerable are you really with the people that you're in relationships with? And part of that is, you know, not speaking your mind, like just throwing it out there, but being cognizant of what you're saying and what your needs are. And, um, I did, you did bring up the fact of, you know, some friends were just not going to uh, last throughout our lifetime. I wanted to bring up a post uh, by the organizational psychologist, um, Adam Grant, and I just wanted to read it and I'll put it a link to it in the show notes. Um, but he, this was probably a month ago and he posted and it's like maybe four, four sentences. You're not obligated to maintain a relationship with anyone who treats you poorly. No mentor, friend, or relative deserves unconditional loyalty. Past help is not an excuse for present harm. If they're having a negative impact on you, you don't have to keep them in your life. So I bring this up because this is this is obviously something different than what we're talking about. But I also want to say that there are, there's a trend going on where, um, on social media and in articles that are talking about how we just quit on friendships Mm -hmm. or relationships. And so I, I just wanted to bring this particular post up because it is something I think that helped me to reflect a little bit on, am I, um, being overly, critical of friends or family members or people that I'm in relationships with, 
Or is this truly a relationship that does not serve me, like puts me in a bad spot or there's a lot of disrespect? Like what I think that we need to understand how to uh, judge our behavior in conjunction with those that are in relationship with us. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I think, yeah, we do. You know, we're swinging the pendulum too far away from all of us being um, doormats and just kind of accepting behavior just because you're, you know, they're your friends or you're supposed to accept them with whatever. And we're swinging too far and just like completely quitting whenever there's one little thing that's wrong. Yeah. And I actually feel like the reason why I liked this post so much is because I feel like I was like that in my past selves, right. Mm -hmm. With friendships is that, um, I just remember a couple of friendships where I was just constantly complaining to my husband about all the things they did. Right. And Mm -hmm. how I just couldn't stand it anymore. And like how much stress it was putting on me. Never once actually having the reflection of what am I doing in this relationship? Like, truly, am I even telling them that that was annoying? No. Am I sharing, you know, my vulnerability or, you know, I mean, it was just like, I just really think when we come across social media posts or articles, and we'll share an article in a little bit that we would really love people to read. And then we'll talk about that topic in another episode. But I just sometimes like, when I first read this post, I thought, wow, he's really telling people just to cut people off (laughs) Um, because there is something when, when it's a damaging relationship, like, like super unhealthy, absolutely. You know, but I think what we need to understand is are we uncomfortable because we have to have an uncomfortable conversation with somebody, our friend, family member, or, Or is it truly so harmful that we should not have this person in our life? And so, yeah, like I said, it's a little bit of a veer off of our main topic, but I wanted to bring that up more and just making sure that we are reflecting how we are participating in our relationships. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, we could, I feel like I could have like 10 podcast episodes just about that. Um, sure. that one concept, but yeah, I, it is related though. Cause it's really easy to slip down that rabbit hole of, um, yeah, just feeling like, well, for my well being and my mental health journey that I need to go on, I can't have you in my life anymore. And it's like, but I mean, maybe if you just, if there's an issue, if you just brought it up to them, then perhaps they don't even realize that there's an issue going on. And I can think of like 20 friendships off the top of my head that like where I have not had a conversation with somebody, but had an issue with what was going on and then either cut off the relationship or like let it fade out, you know? And I mean, there are so many friendships looking back on that. I'm like, I probably could have saved that friendship if I had just talked with them instead of felt uncomfortable and then felt like, well, I don't need that in my life. And then left it. Yeah. And let me just say, like, we need people in our lives. Yes. (laughs) Like we need community and we need, you know, it doesn't have to be like a friend that you talk to every day, 
but mm. you need to have all types of friends, right? From yeah. different backgrounds, different ideals, you know, different different um, activities and act- hobbies that yes, you're interested di- in. Exactly. Like I for whatever reason, and I think this is something I need to uncover, just really felt like they had to be my all, you know? And and the problem is is that I actually have a hard time. I mean, Megan, you are literally the only person other than my husband that I talk to every day. And of course mm-hmm. we do it through Polo. It's not this live, you know, like we're on the phone yeah. for two hours going through Marco Polo is very different, but yeah. there's no one else, you know, that I actually talk to as much as I talk to you through that, through that app. I want to yeah. let people know, but mm-hmm. But there are also really good friends that I have that like, I just saw one last week that I had not actually physically seen in a year. And when I walked in her home and sat down with her, it felt like home, you know? And so, so I'm just saying that it, your friends can vary and they can bring different things into your life. Yeah. Well, and Kelly, I'm probably never going to go golfing with you. But golfing is very important to you. Mm-hmm. And it's an activity that you need to have in your life. And I'm not one of your golfing friends. Right. And that's fine. I'm your Marco Polo friend. <laughs> and my podcast. Yes. Buddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's that's okay. You know, I mean, right. you want, you actually want that. You want to have some diversity and. Well, and I know. feel like looking back on my friend circles that I've had, the ones that didn't last or the ones where we were only based around one activity or one, I, I don't know, some sort of like one dimensional reason why we were together. So it was mm-hmm. like, and those friendships are great when you have them, but then when that one thing gets taken away, why, you know, you haven't built up a bond around anything else. And if those are the only people that you're interacting with and spending time with, then you've just lost a lot of time that you could have been filling up your life with people that can, you know, it, like you said, enrich your life in different ways. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk about kind of learning lessons, you know, like, or even suggestions, you know, if you're struggling with, and it really is any relationship, but, you know, we're talking about friends on this episode, Mm -hmm. but it really is anything and any relationship that you're in. And one of the things I wrote down was, you know, I think we need to really examine the truth about your role in your friendships, right? So mm-hmm. that's like, are you reciprocal? You know, are you vulnerable? Are you accepting of them with love and care? Mm-hmm. Um, do you treat them how you expect to be treated? I mean, these are pretty like, I don't know what the term well, they're is. Base, they're they're basic. basic, but honestly though, they're basic for a reason. You know, we yeah, learn these true. when we're young because- they really do help foster healthy relationships. And we forget that because we're like, oh yeah, we know that we've been told that since we were like four years old. But a lot of us are not, you know, myself included, not always applying that in our lives and into our relationship. So it's important to go back to basics for a reason. Yeah, it's very true. And I think if you're struggling, going back to basics is a good step, right? Mm -hmm. The last one I had is, are you a taker? So I I just think like that one's hard. I mean, you need to do some deep self-reflection to to uncover that one. And I do think that the I identify with that, that one. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I was not a giver, like as far as time or help out or, you know, stuff like that. Absolutely. Like in times of need, but I felt like I wasn't really a giver of all, like of myself, you know, truly of myself, like of my heart. and And I think that, um, just me observing and judging people around me, (laughs) just kidding, obviously judging myself as well, or self-reflecting, I should say. But I think that there are a lot of times where either people are just like this kind of overall or in certain aspects are like this. So it's not just that you fit yourself into a box of being a taker or a giver. You might, maybe you do really kind of fit into that category, Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of us have just, you know, some of both of that going on. But anyways, my, my actual point, I think that there are a lot of times where we don't, we think a certain way about ourselves and we think like, oh, I, you know, I do all of these good things or I am like this. I'm so generous in this way with my friendships. And we don't realize the ways that we are takers in Mm -hmm. our friendships. And I know I've noticed this, you know, in the past few years as I've done a lot of self-reflection and I've done a lot of um, kind of analyzing my friendships and why, like what sort of friendships work for me and which ones don't and why I fall into certain types of friendships or why I gravitate towards certain people. And so just upon doing lots of self-reflections and also reflections of the people that I surround myself with, I've noticed that in myself in some ways, and then friends that I have where I'm like, wow, this person is really, really generous with their time perhaps in certain ways. But when I'm having a conversation with them, they are not actually listening to what I'm saying. And they're constantly bringing the conversation back to themselves. But they, and I'm saying they just because like there's a couple people in my mind that stick out in this way. I definitely do this in certain ways as well. So I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm perfect and other people aren't, but um, they, you know, there are people that I know who it's like they're, um, they're givers when it's convenient for them and takers when it's convenient for them, you know, and don't quite realize that distinction and don't quite realize that just because you're generous in one way doesn't mean that you are generous a hundred percent of the time in all ways. And being a taker can mean a lot of different things and it can show up in a lot of different ways. And we all are like that. And so I guess in saying this, I urge you listeners to think about what are the ways that you perhaps are a taker? And when somebody's trying to be vulnerable with you or um, trying to ask for your time, like or whatever is important for them with your friendship that you have with them, what are ways that you are probably maybe unknowingly being a taker and you feel like you're just so generous and you're just such a giver, but what are ways that maybe you are being a taker? And so I, I just think that it's something that it's really easy for people to not realize that they're doing, but we all do it. Yeah. I actually think to your point, vulnerability is a little bit like that too, Mm -hmm. you know, being, because I think people have varying ideas of what vulnerability actually means, you know, like it could be, well, I I tell them the truth. Like they think that that's being authentic and, um, and being vulnerable to let that person know what's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. basically. Right? right. Like, right. Um, I mean, I've had 
acquaintances and friends who, you know, will die in a cross that they are so honest that they just tell, tell a person exact their friends exactly the way it is. Mm -hmm. But what they're missing is the compassion and empathy and care for that person. Because yes, you want to be honest and vulnerable in a conversation, but not at that person's expense and putting them in a shame or defensive mode. Right. And so that that's a vulnerability is another thing that I think maybe falls in line a little bit with what you're talking about, Mm -hmm. about what, you know, basically if I think the question is, are, are you vulnerable? And if not, what about the relationship like blocks you from being that right. And, and identifying what vulnerable actually means to you, like what level can you get to where vulnerability is displayed in your relationships with love and care? I mean, that's how I would describe it, right? If it doesn't have love and care, then you're just basically, I mean, it's a front, well, it's a, and it's, and I love that you brought that point up because love and care, it, again, does not mean just saying something that's honest just because that's what works for you. And I think that we've talked about this in an episode already. It's probably just going to continue coming up, but it's not just what's convenient for you and what you feel like you need to say, being open, vulnerable, honest in a positive, constructive way. Sometimes you do have to give somebody some tough love, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. you do have to say something, but you also need to understand where they're at. And if they're not going to be able to meet you with what you're saying, and it's not going to be constructive, then you can't just cloak that in vulnerability and, and being honest and being true to yourself that, that you can't just like use that therapy speak, you know, yeah. And just pretend like, well, I, sh- I am supposed to say that because I'm supposed to be being honest. Cause that's not necessarily what the other person needs. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you Absolutely. brought that. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't, it wasn't until we started talking that I realized, oh, you know, vulnerability isn't only just, you know, Megan, I've had a really tough day. This is, you know, like sharing right. maybe something that you wouldn't share with somebody else and opening up. I mean, it's also you know, what you're, what you feel you need to communicate, which maybe it needs to be communicated, but I would challenge people to think about how they communicate it. Right. right. And, and, um, and that's not always easy. I mean, we're human and emotions get flared sometimes. And, you know, just because friends does not mean that there's no turmoil in your relationship. It's just a matter of how, how, how can we communicate so that we can actually uh, care for the relationship rather than just leave it, which is something I've always done. Yes. Yeah. I've been, I've been real good at that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just, I mean, I think we're probably toward the end of the conversation. I think I just, you know, again, want to promote the idea of reflecting upon your friendships. And if you're seeing a theme, pretty sure that's the mirror that you need yeah. <laughs> to really reflect on your beliefs or attitudes or what you think friendship should be. And, you know, just do some re- self-reflection and just do some awareness of those situations and friendships. Mm-hmm. And 
if you have a big friend group and you're, you know, concerned about certain things, like Megan said, like all the gossiping that, that does happen. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it happens in many types of friendships. Right. And, but if that's something that is like putting a strain on you, you know, maybe being vulnerable and saying, Hey, I'm not like setting boundaries. Like I'm not okay with talking about this person or, you know, just having, being able to communicate in the moment in a way that can maybe spur more discussion, right. Rather than controversy. And using that as an example, setting, setting that boundary is not saying you guys are all absolutely wrong for doing this. And we cannot discuss this any longer or I'm leaving kind of thing. Like Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, unless somebody's like, you know, unless there's something very, very harmful going on, that's, that's different. If there's, you know, there are certain things that like, you know, we should absolutely not stand for, but if it is something that, you know, you don't have to say, you don't have to point the finger and say, you're all doing this wrong because it's not something that you like saying, I don't feel comfortable with this. And, you know, I, I'd like it if we can, you know, base our conversations around, um, these other more positive or constructive things or, you know, whatever makes the most sense for what your friendship is. And then just like you said, Kelly, then that can open up a discussion. You know, that's, that's a different way of approaching it than just saying, nope, I'm not allowing this to happen anymore. Cause I think that people misconstrue what setting a boundary means sometimes. And so just, you know, making sure that we're being uh, cognizant of, of what it does mean to set a boundary and how we can't just, you know, tell people that they're doing something wrong when they might not necessarily be trying to do anything wrong or harmful. They just need it to be approached in a way, um, that's helpful for them to kind of do their own self-reflection. So I just want to make sure that no, we're all clear on that. Amazing point, because I do want to say about boundaries very quickly. <clears throat> if you're, if you're not, used to setting boundaries, it it becomes just avoidance, right? Because you're not, you're not looking at a situation and, and understanding how setting a boundary actually enhances your life and brings Mm. you peace. Um, And instead what we're doing is just avoiding the whole situation, hoping that it goes away, but it actually never does, you know, and I kind of feel like that was me prior to healing. Mm. And then during healing, as I was coming into really reconnecting with myself and my values and who I wanted to be and how I wanted to interact with other people, it kind of, my boundaries kind of were aggressive. It was like, I went from not having them to all of a sudden, like it's a boundary and I'm drawing this line. Yeah. And, And I just think that there's this transition that happens that once then you become more clear on what your needs are and then it becomes more of a conversation. Right. right. And, and so I just want to let people know that either if a boundary is being set for you, or you are setting a boundary, sometimes in the early stages of like healing, it can be really aggressive because people just don't know how to balance it out and make it more of a conversation. But that happens through uh, self-reflection, honestly, of, of how you are with relationships. So I just think that that's an interesting, how we got to boundaries because that, that is, so I did want to, as we close out, I did want to say that Megan found this article on bustle 
Um, and the art, I'll put it in the show notes because I would love for people to read this. And then we've agreed that we'll do an episode on this, but the title is, is therapy speak making us selfish? And, Mm -hmm. and it's a little bit about what you said, Megan, you know, going like using, uh, your needs as like this incredible boundary, like, like being, you're not wanting to be uncomfortable in a situation or you feel like you're being attacked when really what's happening is just like normal human interaction and behavior, but we've gone so far to the other side of being a doormat that we're very sensitive to the way that we feel in certain situations. And it's not that we need to lessen the sensitivity. I think we need to, to increase our awareness of really what's happening versus making like really snap judgments because I'm uncomfortable. So that must mean Megan, that because I'm uncomfortable in this situation, it's you putting pressure on me. Yeah. And, and so it's a very interesting article. And so I'll put it in the show notes and I definitely want to have an episode on that. Yeah. And we would love to hear people's thoughts about how they either, you know, just what they think about that article or ways that they can see that that can apply to their life or ways that that's helped them realize the way that they've acted or something. We would just love to hear people's thoughts on it. Yeah, we absolutely would on anything, on anything we've talked about. Yeah. We've got some really good feedback talk to us. and yeah, definitely talk to us and um, <laughs> look in the show notes, it's all the ways that you can reach us and follow us. And I just learned this, but the more positive, like five-star reviews that we get, uh, the more that Apple and Spotify actually pushes out the podcast. I had no idea. So please leave us a review. It is actually helpful to getting the word out about the podcast. So there's my plug. So thank you, everyone. Thank you.